Let us pray. Speak, O Lord, and help us to receive and hear your word. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Little Ian Smith had just been put to bed for the 22nd time. His mother's patience was wearing very thin. If I hear you call mum one more time, you'll be punished, she warned sternly. For a while, it went very quiet. Then a small voice called from the top of the stairs, Uh, Mrs. Smith, can I please have a drink of water? (laughs) Don't you just love children sometimes? Well, most of the time. Yes, they have their moments, as we all do. But what a delight it is to come and welcome two children into the life of the church today. What a joy to be able to embrace them into the church's fellowship. What a precious gift life is to each one of us and to our gracious creator as well. I imagine the children on the streets of Jerusalem at that time. It was Passover time. Jerusalem would have been crowded. Pilgrims would have gathered together for a purpose. People were keyed up with religious expectation and people were there together in families. The family unit is very important in Judaism. And our families and the wider family of the church is important to us and it's something we must treasure too. And Jesus rode into the midst of the people of God. And as we believe he's in the midst of us today by his Holy Spirit. He shares the joy of our gathering together. I appreciate it's uh, completely different, but as I've been thinking about uh, this Palm Sunday, I had the image in my mind of those families who took to the streets in the USA yesterday, gathered for a purpose, young and old, together from across America but particularly for that main event in Washington, D.C., grouping together because young lives matter, united by something, a belief that guns are not the answer, marching for their lives, how they need someone to save the day, to turn the tables, to take away the fear that they're experiencing to enable their dreams of peace to become a reality. They certainly have my prayers. I hope they have your prayers too. And I was deeply moved by the profound words of some of the children who spoke on that occasion, including um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s granddaughter. My grandfather had a dream that his four little children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character, she said. I have a dream that enough is enough, and this should be a gun-free world, period, she said. Every life matters, especially the lives of our young ones. Well, The numbers would have been a lot different at that time in Jerusalem. 
The cultures and the issues were different too, but the people of Jerusalem needed a savior to liberate them. And Jesus couldn't have chosen a more dramatic moment to enter the city. He'd walked all the way from Galilee, and when he was nearly there at Bethphage and Bethany, he sends his disciples ahead to get a cult, fulfilling the scriptures, to be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And picture Jesus entering on a cult. The crowds would have greeted him as they would have welcomed any rabbi who came into the city. But this was Jesus who said, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Despite the seriousness of him heading towards the cross and all that he was holding in his heart, I fancy Jesus as seeing the children singing the praises, perhaps catching what the adults were singing, and smiling as we smiled as our children singing earlier in the service. My first point this morning is very simple. We welcome children because God welcomes us all. The Bible tells us that children are a gift from God, that every single life, every single child is a blessing. That whatever they're bringing their parents, whether it be pride or joy, or whether they're teaching us something at the moment, like living more patiently or forgivingly, whatever they're teaching us, they are a source of growth for his kingdom here on earth. In Matthew 18, verse 6, Jesus warns us, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. They were hard words. And they're a challenge to us and our world. As we hear of gun massacres, as we hear of children being killed in war zones, Today we come and we value children. And we come bringing the children for baptism, welcoming them into this community that we hope will be a safe place for them, that they may grow up and respond to God's grace. And as a church, we welcome them. Jesus expressed this, didn't he, in Mark's gospel. Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. We're all God's children in one sense, of course, whatever our age. And our God is a welcoming God. Everyone is welcomed into his family, called into his family. It's whether we respond or not. He calls us to trust in him, to believe in him, to respond to his grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we see it in Jesus. He welcomed all sorts into his presence and people were unhappy with it. He's our example He's the one who calls us to radical hospitality in our families and in our homes and in our church. If we're to get the gospel, we must be Christ-like in all we do. St. Paul said in Romans, 
Therefore, welcome one another as Christ welcomed you for the glory of God. So my first point, we welcome children because God welcomes us. The second thing is, Jesus was welcomed on Sunday, but rejected by Friday. It's the tragedy of Holy Week. We see how our welcoming God was welcomed in peace in one moment and then violently excluded a few days later, as grace and love is pushed away. I'd like to suggest that Jesus thought long and hard before he came into Jerusalem. He knew exactly what was ahead of him. Deep down, he didn't want to face the cross, but he was obedient. The important thing, as I mentioned earlier, is that he was fulfilling prophecy in Zechariah chapter 9. And Mark emphasized that he was presenting himself as he rode into Jerusalem as the king of the Jews, their deliverer their saviour, their messiah. He was using dramatic action just as the prophets of old had done. And we read in the different gospel of accounts of exactly what was going on. How people throw down their cloaks and branches before him to welcome him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, which means save now. It's probably a relatively small crowd compared to the crowds in Uh, America. The Roman authorities wouldn't have let a large crowd actually gather because they would have been worried about large gatherings. Yet Matthew tells us that news had spread ahead of Jesus and people were asking, who is this? Who is this? And Jesus knew he must enter into all of this, not just as a respected rabbi, But he came as somebody who was already despised by leaders. The authorities hated him. They'd sworn to eliminate him. He knew the fate that awaited him. He knew he must suffer. This was the person who'd spent time with disreputable folk. And that upset the apple cart. Any holy person wouldn't associate with people like this. But in Jesus, our welcoming God reaches out to all. And we must ask, as we travel towards the cross this week, who is this who died on a cross and we believe rose on the third day? The trouble is, we can welcome one moment and we can turn away the next moment. We can say we are welcoming and we can behave in exclusive ways. Are we a people who seek to love rather than destroy, to help rather than condemn, to exercise the power of love in action, not with mighty armies, but with a towel and a basin? That's the king who rode into Jerusalem. The crown of thorns was his crown, his glory on the cross. I encourage you all to come on Good Friday because we cannot, cannot sing the praises of Easter Day without understanding 
what Jesus did for us on the cross. So we welcome children because God welcomes us all. Jesus was welcomed on Sunday, but rejected by Friday. And so we're left with the question, will we, this Easter, welcome Jesus as our Lord and Savior for the first time or for whatever number of times we've done it? A man was driving down the road. A woman was driving down the same road, but in the opposite direction. They pass each other on the road, and the woman leans out of the window and yells, Pig! And the man leads out of his window and yells, Stupid! And they continue on their way. When the man rounds the next corner, he crashes, colliding into a huge pig in the middle of the road. Fortunately, he escapes, but his car is written off. And there's a lesson in this little story. Sometimes we just need to listen rather than being quick to judge the situation. You see, God sent his son into the world to save the world. But people weren't really listening to what he was saying. He tried to make it abundantly clear. He demonstrated it in his life. But people thought they knew what he was saying. They were quick to judge. They focused on what they believed was right. They had no room for him in their lives. And they didn't take him seriously. My sisters and brothers, watch out for the curve in the road ahead the thing that we may not appreciate that is ahead of us, the unavoidable obstacle that could lead to calamity for us and for our loved ones. Jesus came to save us, save us now, but ultimately beyond the grave. When we hear of that dreadful incident in France, no one knew what was going to happen that day. And yet, one man, gave his life to set others free. This is what Jesus does in a macro scale. He gives his life for the whole world. And he says to us, will we welcome him into our lives? Because God welcomes you. All he wants you to do is to listen, to trust, and to respond. To receive him as the Prince of Peace the one that can transform the world, not by might and power and by violence, but by humility and suffering love. This is the Jesus that died but rose again. I'd like us to watch this short video clip, and I hope you will feel the power of the message. I looked up and he was there just right there. Scared us at first, but then again at this point, why were we so surprised? I guess that kind of tells you how frustrating we were to him at times. We'd seen him do so many things. Miracles. Why did we act so shocked? 
I asked him if I could walk to him. And when did he ever say no to us? Never. Not once. And so I got out of that boat, just hopped out of it like we were on land or something. And that's when I felt the wind. It uh, felt like it just went straight through me. All my confidence just slipped out of the bottom of my feet. You should have heard them when he rode into Jerusalem. I, I can still hear them. Hundreds just lining the streets, chanting it over and over and over and over and over and over. Hosanna in the highest. Salvation has come. And they finally felt it. They finally celebrated him. And I, I already knew him. I knew he is the kind of king who reaches out and pulls you up, even if you have doubts. The one who always comes to help us. The one who always saves you when you call his name. We're going to call his name and to lift high the cross. Our children are now going to come and join us. And I'd like this final hymn to be our response to receive Jesus on this Palm Sunday to travel with him, our Savior, to the cross and through to resurrection. So we stand to sing lift high the cross. The children who were with us at the beginning are now with us at the end and they will raise their crosses as well. Let's stand together.